next on It's Time. You might have perfect health. You might have 20-20 vision. And you may be contemplating jumping off the bridge this afternoon. Either you've reached out to God or you haven't. Either you've said, Lord, forgive my sins, or you haven't. To it's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho, the home of CSN. Today we're in the book of First Peter, as Pastor Mike will be focusing on the section found starting at verse 8. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? What is it about our relationship with Christ that makes understanding and accepting His perfect gift so difficult for some? Here's Pastor Mike. You got an eternal inheritance because Jesus Christ died. And because he died for you, that inheritance now is good. And so you need to remember that anytime you start feeling poor and, yeah, you you went down and bought 10 lottery tickets and you couldn't even get one of the numbers, I've done that. You know, I only bought two tickets the last time. And I basically said this, God, if you want me to be rich, you you can make me rich with one ticket. And just in case I mess up, I'll buy two. I don't think God wants me rich right away. I didn't even get one right. I didn't get one. And it's like, you know, God, it's kind of funny because it's like God's, you know, see, pastors aren't supposed to tell you they buy lottery tickets, I guess. I don't know. But but I, I only bought two, really. I still don't know why. I just, it's one of those things. I just. Somebody said, what would you do if you want? I don't think I'd do anything different I'm doing now. Maybe, you know, maybe. Get a new load of gravel for my driveway or something. You know, it'd be nice, but anyway, sorry. Those dirt roads, every once in a while, I'll go down a dirt road, and everybody has to go into four-wheel drive to follow me. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. But he says, has begotten us. You have a father. You're not illegitimate. You're not without purpose. You're not without definition in your life. He goes on and tells us, to this inheritance incorruptible doesn't fade away. It's kept by God. It's not kept by you. It's not kept by the first national bank somewhere with a group of men that determine what they're going to invest their money in. This is an inheritance that doesn't fade away. And furthermore, he goes on to say, it's reserved for you in heaven. It's got your name on it. I like that. When I read the Bible, I like to find myself in the scripture. And when I find an inheritance for me in heaven where the inheritance doesn't fade away, boy, that's what I want. It says, who are kept... By the power of God, through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, who are kept by the power of God? That's speaking of you. Now, here's the next question. If God ain't keeping you, who is keeping you? And keeping you has to do with keeping you from getting spoiled. You know, when you put something in the refrigerator, you you keep it from spoiling. Well, God keeps us from spoiling. But if you're not a Christian here this morning, my question would be, who keeps you? What keeps your alignment in life proper? Because if the only input you have, you might say, is your own source without any spiritual input, friends, where is that going to leave you on the day that you die? Do you realize something? And this is a hard thing. If you're not a Christian, do you realize you die alone? Isn't that a sad thing? Think about that for a minute. If you're not a Christian, you die alone. If you are a Christian... You don't die alone. In fact, it's interesting we remember the rich man and Lazarus. And there's a very little part of that story that a lot of people don't pay too much attention to. But it says the rich man 
fared sumptuously every day, had all the goodness of life. Lazarus, a poor beggar, and they both died. Well, that isn't exactly what it says. It does say they died. It says the rich man died and was buried. And it says that the that when Lazarus died, the angels came and got him. I like that. You're dead. In the ground you go. You die alone. But you know, of all the days, I want somebody there is the day I die. I want somebody there that knows what's going on. And I'd like to tell you that, well, well, yeah, you know, when I'm 95, I'll start thinking about it and worrying about it. It's not so. We don't know when our number is up, friends. The last thing that any of us usually think about if we're fairly healthy is that by tonight, I might not be here anymore. You read all the time about about issues and wrecks and things like that. There was a one of the uh, uh, one of the people that attend our fellowship sometime. That's 15 years old. Him and his friend were out dune bugging, and uh, the dune buggy rolled over, and uh, they didn't have seatbelts on, and it, it crushed his both his lungs, broke his his uh, neck, or it didn't break his neck, but it crushed his his uh, his trachea and everything. We don't think that it can happen to us. But friends, we don't know. And people say, well, if you're a Christian, Mike, these things shouldn't happen to a Christian. All I can tell you is this. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust just the same. And sometimes God allows these things to happen to Christians only to remind those that maybe aren't Christians it can happen to you and are you ready to go? Because friends, it can. So he tells us here, we're kept by the power of God. That means God's good pleasure is to see you do well. I like that about the Lord. We also find this reminiscent in the 23rd Psalm. He leads me beside the paths of still water. He does. For his name's sake. God likes to see you do well. He says, kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if it need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Does this relate with anybody here? Have you been grieved by like various trials, things you go through, you don't understand? You wonder where God is at? You think that God don't even care anymore. And if God, if you're on the throne, why do I have to go through all this junk? Am I the only one that relates with this? No, if you're a Christian, you're going to go through this. Now, it is true, friends. I got to tell you, sometimes the problems that we bring on are problems that we have done ourselves. We create most of our own problems, as you know. But sometimes the problems are definitely exaggerated by and because you're a Christian. And because you have enemies that don't love what God is doing in your life. And their whole purpose and design is to stop you from doing what you do. Do you realize how much, if you study the scripture, if you go back and read the book of Acts, how they just railed on Paul all the time as an example um, putting him down and all the other things just because of his message of Christ. And listen, don't think that you're going to have a wonderful, shiny reputation at your job or in the community or whatever if you really serve God as well. Because the problem is, is that, again, if they can discount you, they can discount the message that you're bringing. And if they can discount the message that they're bringing, they can discount you as a person. And so therefore, the standard is gone. They can feel good about themselves. And usually these people lie about uh, to themselves all the time anyway about how wonderful they are. And it's only because real Christians exist that it challenges their fabricated world. Well, he says, the trials that we go through. 
Well, he goes on and he tells us this. If you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, trials are an invitation to seek God. You know, a lot of times, um, they reveal God's power and our weakness. Trials are not meant to chase you away from God. They're made, made you to drive, yourself, drive you into the arms of the Lord. And uh, I would just once again remind all of us that if there's something you're going through and you don't understand it, maybe you can't believe that it's really happening to you. All I can tell you is this. I guarantee you the underworld's at work. And the underworld uses people and sometimes they don't even know they're being used. We remember, in fact, Jesus was walking along. And he said that he had to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter, the very guy that we're reading here, said, Jesus, you don't got to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to die. And Jesus turned around and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Boy, if you don't think that put Peter back in his chair a little bit. So Peter understood that it is possible for a person that is even following Jesus to be manipulated by the enemy in some way. Friends, I want to encourage you that If somebody that's a Christian says something to you that's mean or harsh or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a devil, but it does mean that they may not be walking with the Lord. Maybe they haven't walked with the Lord for a long time. Maybe they're reveling in the glory of yesteryear, but of late, there's no love in their life. There's no spirit of God. There's no twinkle in their eye. Uh, They've got their act down. We remember in the book of Revelation that the first church that's mentioned, there, the church at Ephesus, He said, you're still doing all kinds of wonderful things, but I have this against you. He said, you've left your first love. What you used to do out of genuine love and care for the saints, now you're doing out of duty or to keep up that image that no longer really represents truly what Christ is doing in your life. It is amazing to me that trials reveal to us the need for God. You know, we can think that we're doing good until you get an overwhelming trial that's much bigger than you are, and then you're forced to call out to God. You know, that's why the Bible says, Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to go into heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And there's a story that circulated where there was this gate called the eye of a needle, and a camel had to get down on all fours and kind of scrunch along on his kneecaps to get through it. Do you know what I believe Jesus really meant? It's easier for... A camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. I'm talking the kind you sow with. Do you know why? Because oftentimes people who have stuff trust in their stuff rather than in God. And it isn't till they have a problem much bigger than they are that their money won't cure that they cry out to God. And that's when they say, oh, God, help. And you know something? The God who hears from heaven does. And that, to me, friends, is a wonderful thing. And so he says... Whom have not seen, speaking of God, you love. Through now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I think it's interesting here that he says, whom having not seen, you love. We remember Thomas said something. When they heard that Jesus had rose from the dead, um, And it may very well be, have you ever been around friends and they'll say something that sticks in your mind and stuff like that and you reference it and there's something that happens and it sparks that and you bring that uh, thing back to remembrance? Well, this this phrase right here, whom you having not seen, you love. P. 
Peter was there in the, that upper, in that room where Thomas said, unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hands and thrust my hands in his side, I will not believe. Well, remember Jesus appeared with the apostles and Thomas, the Bible says, was there. And he walks up to Thomas and he says, Thomas, here, put your fingers in the holes in my hand. And, in, and, and Thomas did that fell to his knees and said, my Lord and my God. This is another place where we find Jesus being God. And what's amazing is Jesus said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you believe. But blessed more are those who have not seen and believed. And then we find this, whom having not seen, you love. You, You see, this is an amazing picture. Just like back in the Bible where Abraham sent his servant back to his homeland to find Isaac a wife. It is one of the most incredible stories of a picture type of the of, of all of us. And we remember that um, Abraham uh, made his servant swear that he would not find him a, a worldly wife. He said, go back to my country and find a wife. And the servant says, how will I know who that is? I can just go back and just, hi, you know, this is, this is like, you know, some dating thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. So he prayed and he said, Lord, the one who offers to serve, let that be the one. And so Abraham's servant, and it's very important because in this story that we find in Genesis, that the servant is never named. Friends, sometimes what the Bible doesn't tell you is as important as what it does tell you. And being that servant was unnamed is a type of the Holy Spirit where God the Father sent the Holy Spirit out into this world to find him a wife. Now it's interesting that we as the church are called the bride of Christ. And the invisible Holy Spirit says, whosoever will may come. And so, who shall I pick? And the servant waits. And we remember Rebecca comes up and says, can I water your camels? And I can just see that servant going, yes, you can. Now, watering the camels wasn't an easy thing. It took, it took a lot of work to water the camels. But this girl wasn't scared of work. And so, interestingly enough, as the story went on, he explains to her what she was doing, meets her parents. She explains to her parents, he explains to his parents what he's there doing. And you know what she says? She says, I'll go with this man back and marry this, this person. Talk about the faith of this woman based upon the word of the servant. But you know what? That's exactly what God did to us. You see, the Holy Spirit goes out and says, will you come? Will you marry somebody? Will you be a part of their kingdom forever, even though you've never, ever met them? And in faith, we go, yes, I'll do that. Boy, talk about a leap of faith. And yet the Bible says throughout all of eternity, God is going to show us his goodness and his glory. This morning... Either you've reached out to God or you haven't. Either you've said, Lord, forgive my sins so that I can be part of your bride, that I can have this inheritance of eternal life that we talked about earlier with my name on it, or you haven't. You might have perfect health. You might have 20-20 vision. And you may be contemplating jumping off the bridge this afternoon. They say many people who kill themselves are in perfect health. So it tells me that you can have an illness that transcends the body, that it's a soul sickness. And yet Jesus said, by his stripes we are healed. 
And by his broken body, we can be healed. And I would invite you today to take that healing, however it may be. Maybe there's an addiction that you're wrestling with to overcome. Maybe there's something else in your life. The Bible says we can be healed. In fact, in chapter 11 of Corinthians, Paul writes and says to the Corinthian church, he says, not really discerning what communion is about, that it's for your healing. For this reason, many of you are sick and dead among you. What a a tragedy to miss the antidote for our problems of life. We go through trials just as we began this book today. And understanding that those trials are designed by God to show us our need for Him. And I would invite you this morning as you hold that cracker in your hands and you feel those rough edges. Remember that they roughed Jesus up so you could be healed. And maybe... If you ever noticed on a cracker, some of the little edges are kind of small. And then every once in a while, there's kind of one that's bigger than the rest. Maybe there's one particular issue in your life that needs to be healed more than the rest. And I would just invite you to, maybe as you feel that, think, you know, Lord, I really do need you to heal me. The cup, the Bible says, is the cup of the New Testament. And that means somebody thought you were so valuable that they died for you in your place. Jesus' blood was shed for you. And that importance that Jesus had to us... I would invite you to be that important person to somebody else in your life. If you're restored, if you're blessed, you in turn can then bless others. And so this morning as we have communion, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. And you can get right with God this morning. You can say, Lord, okay, I'm going to come clean. This is what I want to do. And ask God to forgive you and ask God to heal you. And the Bible says that he will. And then you can experience that forgiveness and that inheritance with your name on it kept by God himself in heaven forever. I would invite you, if you've never prayed, if you've never given your life to God, or maybe you're distant from the Lord and the things of this world seem to be so glittery and so elusive that you decided that was more important than you're serving God, I would invite you to come home to the Lord this morning and say, God, uh, restore me in Jesus' name. And, and, And let's just see what God will do in your life. He will. So if you need prayer, I would invite you to pray and let's let's see what God will do. Come out from behind the mask of maybe religiosity and say, Lord, I really do want to get real with you. Fill my heart with love again. Let me be that person that you want me to be in Jesus' name. And so if you've never prayed or you're distant from God, you pray this. And we'll agree in prayer that God will heal and restore and forgive. And then we'll have communion, okay? So if you need to get right with God, you just pray this in your heart. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I invite you into my life today. I have been so selfish in my life. I've just served myself, and Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. And so now, from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit, so I'll have the power to live for you each day. And thank you for eternal life. That God, I never have to be worried about dying ever again. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the new believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. 
Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.